Some of you, you have been praying for your spouse's salvation for decades. Don't stop. There are some of you, you've been praying for your kids who are away from the Lord to come home for a while. Now, don't stop. There are people who have been praying for physical healing for a long time. The key is to not stop. It's not that God can't do it. The key is to realize that sometimes God chooses to delay because he's working a bigger plan. People tend to be impatient, especially in Western societies. Because of all the conveniences we have, we tend to want everything now. That's totally not how God looks at things. His plans have eternity in mind, which is way different than how we view the events and experiences in our lives. Today, Pastor Daniel is going to try to give you a better view of God so that you can begin to let God rearrange your thinking to line up with His. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 11 as he continues his message, Taught Prayer. When they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, because they were trying to understand, hey, there's all these laws in God's word. What's the most important thing? Jesus gave them two commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here at Crosses, what do we call this? Upward, inward, and outward. Because it always begins with God. We love God with all of our heart. It begins with God, and then it gets to us. We love our neighbor as ourselves, and then it moves outward into the world. Now, this is so important because God's ordering for how we should order our life is God's glory first, and then who God is as it relates to who we are, and then God flows through us into the world. The problem with our culture today, and it's not new to our culture, it's just amplified now, is our culture is not upward, inward, and outward. It's inward, outward, and if there's anything left over, it lands upward. So our culture as a self-centered culture begins with me and what I want and what I think, and then it starts with me, then it gets to you, and that's why everyone treats each other. Sometimes we're all right, but most of the time it's pretty lousy. And then we've just kind of recreated God in our own image. Whatever is at the top shelf, it drives everything else. So if it's self-centered first, it's selfishness that drives bad ethics, which drives messed up spiritual beliefs. And Jesus comes in the Our Father prayer, in the Ten Commandments, in the Greatest Commandments, says, no, no, God leads the whole thing. And who God is teaches how we see ourselves. And then God shapes us through the work of the cross as we see ourselves. And then it flows through. So it always has to be upward, inward, and outward. And that's exactly what this prayer is. Because the beginning of it is all about who God is. He's our Father. He's in heaven. His name should be revered or hallowed. And we're saying, God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's all upward. And then it moves to us. Once those things are established, then, and Lord, give us the needs that we have, our daily bread, forgive us our sins, help us to forgive people who've hurt us, and lead us not into temptation. And so it begins with God, and then it gets to us. Now, what's also really beautiful about this is in 70 words, Jesus pretty much covers all of life. Because you have physical needs, things like make sure we have enough food to survive, Lord. It has our spiritual needs. 
forgive us our sins and also some of the emotional and help us to forgive the people who have wronged us. And make sure, Lord, we're not walking in temptation. Don't miss the fact it's got the past, the present, and the future there. The present is give us this day our daily bread. The future, lead us not into temptation. Forgive us our sins. Talks about the past. See, the totality of our experience is contained in some 70 words right here. Now, what I love so much about this, in Matthew's telling of this same prayer in Matthew chapter 6, listen to what follows. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. It says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, for they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now, I love Jesus because Jesus is saying, listen, when you pray, there's some things you need to be careful of. First, make sure you don't only pray publicly. He says, the problem is, is that many people want you to think they're super spiritual. So they make sure that when they pray, they're always praying publicly. And he's like, actually, for you guys, he doesn't say don't pray publicly. He's like, but your prayer life should actually happen in secret. So what that means is you cultivating a house of prayer in your own life is something that nobody should really know about unless there are people who live with you. He's saying, rather than doing it outward so everyone knows that you're praying, I want you to go into a quiet place in your house, and I want you to seek me in secret. And because you're seeking me, God's like, I'm going to bless that. Now, what I want to encourage all of you is to have a quiet place in your house that you can pray. Now, for those of you, we just did baby dedication. So all of you with little kids, that's why God invented the bathroom. <laughs> Anyone who's ever raised kids know the only place you get quiet is when you're in the bathroom. Like you're in there praying, kids are like, mom, dad. You're like, I'm, in, I'm using the bathroom, and they almost will always leave you alone, at least for a couple seconds. So, so linger long in the bathroom, people. But you need that quiet place, a place where nobody, it's not about anyone seeing you pray. I always get nervous when I see people who need everyone to make sure that they pray. Like, they need, they need you to know that they're praying. I'm always like, ha, ha, ha. Because it's not wrong, it's just, I want you to see how spiritual I am. And what I want to tell you is that if you're really a person of prayer, nobody will know because you're doing it in secret. And Jesus said, listen, don't do it on the street corners. Don't use vain repetition. Now, I think that's really fascinating because like we said the Our Father prayer and like I grew up in a church tradition as loosely as we grew up in it where that was something that was commonly prayed, but I never even thought about it. So we don't need to use vain repetition, but really what it is is like you don't need to use many words. Now, I think that this is really, really powerful because I think sometimes we think the longer I pray, the better. And I've always told you this, and I've been saying this a lot lately, but it's so important. You need to pray as long as it takes you to say yes to the will of God. Period. Prayer is us finding ourselves in a place where we're like, yes, Lord, your will, not mine. Your kingdom, not mine. And if that takes two seconds then I would say you've prayed long enough. Now, you can hang out there, enjoy time there, but we should pray ourselves into the yes of what God is doing. God is not impressed with our many words because Jesus is speaking perfectly. He says, listen, 
For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now, I love that. Because some of us feel like, man, praying is so hard. I mean, who's got enough time to tell God everything that's going on? I'm like, guess what? God already knows what's going on. And he actually knows what's going on better than we do. He knows the real of what's going on, the motivations behind it. So don't get me wrong. God loves you. And if you want to tell God all the things that happened, but it's not like you're filling God in on what's going on. Like, Lord, you'll never believe it. I was driving and someone cut me off. I was like, oh my goodness. I had no clue that that happened to you. It's not like that. He loves you and he knows everything about you. So you don't need to tell him everything. You can if you want to, but it's not like he's like shocked by what's going on. The number of times I start praying and I'm like, Lord, you know what's going on here, Lord. Lord, just get me out of the way. Do your work. Let me line up with what you want and let me get over myself. That's how I pray a lot. Because I'm so aware, like, I don't need to explain to God what's going on. He knows what's going on. I don't need to give him like the hit list of, Lord, this is what happened today and I'm all crooked. He's known I'm crooked my whole life. But the key is to remember that prayer, it's not a tool to get, it's a tool to grow. Prayer is not about, I did my prayer list. Prayer lists are good, especially when you write down when God answers those prayers. But the thing is, we have a tendency to think that prayer is a spiritual tool to get the things that we want. And what I would tell you, it is a spiritual tool to get the things that we want. But the things that we really want are Jesus-likeness, not just, hey, I wanted a new job. Hey, I'd really like it if the kids finally leave the house and give me some peace and quiet so I can pray. All that stuff. It's a tool to be and become, not a tool to just get stuff. And really, when we start to pray, there's all sorts of ways to pray. Now, let me just tell you this. And we're going to talk about all different ways to pray as we go through this series. But... Sometimes you can pray biblical prayers like we did. I've spent my life praying the prayers that are inspired in scripture. Like there are two beautiful prayers in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. You can pray a psalm at any time. Later in the series, I'm going to do Daniel's prayer before the beautiful prophecy of the 77s in Daniel chapter 9. I've been praying that prayer for about a month because in that prayer, he confesses the sins of the nation. And so you can take the biblically inspired prayers like John 17, Jesus's high priestly prayer. Very, very powerful. You can pray your own written prayers or the written prayers of others. There's this great book, I spent many times praying it, of Puritan prayers called The Valley of Vision. And it's literally prayers of people who lived like 300 years ago, the Puritans. They just spoke differently then. They prayed differently. When I find prayers in people's writings, I will often pray those prayers, but make them personal. You can pray in silence. There's a type of prayer where you just sit in the presence of God. Uh, The great Italian mystic Savonarola said that when prayer reaches its ultimate, words are impossible. So because God knows what we need, we can pray without having to say anything. The Bible actually says that sometimes we don't know how we should pray as we ought, so we ask the Spirit to make groanings for us with words that cannot be uttered. When was the last time when you're praying, you're like, Holy Spirit, I'll just let you intercede with your groanings of words that cannot be uttered. So there's all sorts of ways to pray. But what I love here is we're encouraged to pray privately, not just publicly. 
And not to think that our words matter and not to feel like we have to fill God in on everything, but we want his glory and our needs, past, present, future, upward, inward, and outward. Pretty simple. Now, it goes on from there. Look what happens next. Verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed and I cannot rise to give it to you. And I say to you, though he will not rise and give it to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So we saw the pattern of prayer before, and now we see persistence in prayer. And I get that right from verse 8. Though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So now we see the need to continue on in prayer, to be steadfast, to be resilient in prayer. And Jesus tells a pretty unique story. And it kind of shows how different Jesus's culture was than mine. The story is of a friend who shows up in the middle of the night asking for bread because a friend had showed up in the middle of the night and he didn't have any food to set in front of him. Now, in that culture, it was a hospitality culture. And when people would show up, you would want to have things in front of you. And it was common for people to show up in the middle of the night because it was a warm, deserty climate. And so it was easier to travel in the cool of the nighttime than in the heat of the day. And so you just imagine all of a sudden someone comes and they show up and you don't have anything for them. Now, but think about it. How many of you like it when people show up at your house? Yeah, like two of you. (laughs) I'm all Italian from New Jersey, which means that people always showed up at my house growing up. There was literally like a section in our pantry of food for the visitors. And it was always like an Entenmann's crumb cake, some cream puffs. There was a tin of uh, Folgers or Sanka, you know what I mean? And literally someone would knock at the door at any time of night. And then we would all be at the door like, hey, come on in. They'd be like, hey, go get the Entenmann's crumb cake. And they put it out. And then you start eating everything. Now, someone rings your doorbell. And everyone's like, who's at the door looking at the ring? They're like, get down. You're like, everyone's on the phone. They're like. And all that's like, get down. Someone's at the door. Who's on the ring? Why is Pastor Daniel here? He should have called and confirmed he's not supposed to just show up. Isn't that what it's like in your house? It is. Oh, you guys are laughing. I'm coming to your house later. We'll see if you answer the door. The three of you are like, come on over, Pastor Daniel. I got a box of Twinkies waiting for you. But like back in the day, people would hang out. Now it's like you got to confirm with 87 secretaries to find out if you can hang out with somebody. And they definitely don't show up. And if they do show up, you don't answer the door. Isn't it true? It's, I, I, know how, I know where we're living. We're all living in this place together. So the fact that like, they were used to people coming by. But what's funny is in this situation, like, the fact that they didn't have bread wouldn't be all that weird because this was back in the day before you had bread that lasted for like eight weeks in your pantry. It was like fresh baked bread. And they didn't have a lot of food. They didn't have an ice box. They didn't have like, again, our house, we have like 
good bread in the freezer. You could pull the thing out, stick it in the microwave, defrost it, stick it in the oven, and put some butter on it. And everyone's like, dude, this is yummy bread, right? And we have like 87 types of dips and all the thing. But back in the day, if you didn't have bread, it would look bad on you. And so going to your neighbor and getting bread would be kind of normal. But then you start hearing the guy, he's like, I can't open the door right now because all of us are in bed together. Now, how many of you think that sounds horrible? (laughs) We live in a day and age, even the person here with the smallest apartment, there's room. But back in the day, the whole family slept in the one room. Now, how many of you have kids? How many of you share a bed with your kids? Oh, God bless you people. (laughs) Sharing a bed with your kids is like being in bed with an octopus looking for its keys. I love my kids, man. I remember one time I shared a bed with my little Annabelle. And like, I ended up with like toe, like, I don't know how toes get in your rib cage like that. Like, she starts vertical before you know it. She's like a starfish. She punched in the face like eight times and didn't even wake up. I said, I go in my kids' rooms in the morning before they make their beds. I started laughing because I'm like, who are you fighting with in here? You know what I mean? The pillows are everywhere. So, but like back in the day, that's how it was. It was like they were all in one room. If dad was snoring, they were all just sleeping through it. There was no BiPAP machines, you know, like sleep apnea help, like nasal openers. It's like that was like, and I was just like, huh. You know, now like you can't go to bed unless you take like, you know, injections of melatonin or something. I don't know. The whole culture's different. What makes me laugh about it is the guy's like, yeah, I can't, everyone's in bed. Now, like, we have these locks on our doors that are super quiet. But back in the day, it's like, to shut your door was like a big thing. He's like, right as I open the door, everyone's awake, so I can't do it. But he says, listen, even though he won't give him bread because he's a friend, because he's persistently annoying, he'll get it. Now, I know that might sound crazy to you, but what I want to tell you is, is that God loves it when we trust him and we're persistent. Listen to Colossians chapter four, verse two. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. First Thessalonians 5.17 says that we should pray without ceasing. Now, someone is bound to say, well, Fusco, if God knows what we need, he doesn't want our many words, what's up with the persistence? And here's what I want to tell you. Because God's plan for us in Christ is that we grow, oftentimes we grow the most by him not immediately doing what he's capable of doing. To put it cheekily, which I don't know if cheekily is a word, it's cheeky as an adverb. I don't know if that's a real word, but I just, I'll use it anyway. Sometimes God plays hide and seek with us. Because what God is interested in is the person that we become when we're pursuing him, not just getting the outcome of what we want. So there are some of you, you have been praying for your spouse's salvation for decades. Don't stop. There are some of you, you've been praying for your kids who are away from the Lord to come home for a while. Now, don't stop. There are people who have been praying for physical healing for a long time. The key is to not stop. It's not that God can't do it. The key is to realize that sometimes God chooses to delay because he's working a bigger plan. A plan that he's not checking in with you on. I always say it this way. There is no such thing as God's delays. There is only God's perfect timing and my impatience. And so oftentimes... God is working a far greater work than we realize. And that is why he is slow in answering prayers that he could easily answer. 
And the key for us is to just be persistent. Anyone I know who's been praying a long-term prayer with no answer yet almost always says, I'm going to keep praying. I wish God had already answered it. But the person that I'm becoming as God delays is better than if he would have answered it already. Because we start to see the fruit in our nature of our lives being formed to be more like Jesus through God's seeming slow answer. So the key for us is to stay persistent in prayer. Now, look at how this section I'm going to share with you ends in verse 9 of Luke 11, where it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg? Will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now I call this the principle of prayer. See, I got the pattern of prayer, the persistence in prayer, and the principle of prayer from my pastor, John Henry Corkin. Perfect prayer outline. But what is the principle of prayer? That if you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, it will be open. Now, if you were to look at those verbs in the Greek language versus the original language, they're in a verb tense that is called the present continuous tense, which could very simply be translated, if you keep on asking, you will receive. If you keep on seeking, you will find. If you keep on knocking, it will be open to you. And again, it points us to this reality that it's not like I put in my prayer for my spouse's salvation and now it's over. Or I put in my prayer for the alleviation of suffering and now it's over. The idea is God is interested in that relationship of intimacy with continual communication. So he is inviting us into a life where we are continually asking, continually seeking, continually knocking, and when we do that, God wants to meet with us. And so the principle is, is not to think of prayer as something that is immediate. Don't think of it as efficient. Think of it as a lifestyle. Think of it like oxygen. One breath of air will not give you the oxygen you need for a whole day or a whole hour or even a whole five minutes. We need continual oxygen, and prayer is the breath of life in Jesus that keeps us connected, almost like a child in his mother's womb is umbilically connected. Prayer is the umbilical cord to the life of God in our lives. So we need to learn how to keep on doing it. Jesus is How long can you hold your breath? A minute? Two minutes? Not long enough to get you through the day (laughs) or to complete the next task you have. You need to breathe constantly to get through the day. That's the point Pastor Daniel was trying to make today. You've got to change how you've been thinking about prayer. It's not a thing you do only in the morning at meals or only at bedtime. You think about it and it's all the minutes in between. Those are the other times that it really matters. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you 
you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel starts the next teaching, Breakthrough Prayer. He's going to be teaching from the book of Daniel, where the prophet Daniel makes a realization that he's reading passages from the Hebrew scriptures. Pastor Daniel will talk a lot about the attitude of the prophet Daniel's heart when he makes this discovery and the humility of the prophet as he asks God for mercy for the people of Israel. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Into the Deep. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.